Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm Craig Settles, and I'm your host. Uh, we're here to take a gander at broadband uh, services. Uh, today, um, actually for a number of weeks now, I've been uh, giving a lot of attention to co-ops and their role in the broadband arena. Um, there's an article in the Daily Yonder magazine today where I spell out some of the case for co-ops, and I think everyone should take a few minutes just to read this and get some background. Um, there's also my latest book, Building the Gigabit City, Volume 2, which also has a lot of content devoted to co-ops. Um, several weeks ago, I interviewed um, the number of uh, management uh, team members at Midwest Energy Cooperative. Midwest has a fairly ambitious plan that will cover a 400-mile region of Michigan. Um, in that interview was their president, Bob Hans, Candy Rhyme, Vice President of Marketing, Dave Allen, Vice President of Regulatory Compliance and uh, Community Development, and Terry Rubenthayer, Chief Technology Officer. And so let's pick up that conversation. As we're building up all over the place as far as your your territory, and um, and you know, so I assume that, that, that you must have. Yeah, adding a whole bunch of subscribers, and I don't know if you got new territory or not, but I figured at least you know, give me, give me, what, what's 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 new since a year ago. Well, I hate using this term, but I don't have another one to use right now. We've we've kind of ventured into phase two or part two, or uh, from our what we called our soft launch. Okay. Our our soft launch. Uh, was just under 80 miles of build, and that uh, because that was uh, at the level of success that it was, we had our strategic planning session uh, early November of 14 with our board, and our board kind of laid the groundwork for uh, what we're going to do for the next five years. Excellent. It's, it's really kind of cool. We have a, a single strategic issue, strategic plan. Excellent. That's that's always good. That's always good start. That's good start. No, no, uh, no issues with focus. So they said you will build our entire footprint in five years. Sweet. I'll be off with you. Be off with you. <laughs> so, um, again, for lack of a better term, part two, phase two, section two, uh, the next 400 miles is in work in the works. Good lordy. Of which, of which we've built nearly 100. I'm trying to remember the last report we got last week from Shelley. You want to know? That's not that important. So I think we're approaching 100 miles now built this year of the 400 that we're going to build. Okay. So now, is the idea to basically build to every uh, resident and business? Is it to get... I'm going to direct you to our new website. Okay. Okay, go ahead and say, yeah, send that one by email, so I'll get that. It's, it's simply te- uh, teamfiber.com. Okay. T- 
Team um, that Fiber? That will bring you to TeamPEAMFiber.com. Okay. What that will bring you to is our, our service territory, and it's color-coded. Yeah, when you get there, click join the crowd. Okay. And then click zones. Or learn more. Yeah, yeah, learn more more on the on the initial page. Uh-huh. And then I'll bring you to after you go to learn more, it'll bring you to the next page which will then at the top show zones. Mm-hmm. If you click on that, are you looking at this? Am I? No, because I, 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 I'll, I'll explode if I try one more thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so when, take, when you go to the zones, then it'll, it'll bring up the map that we're working from. Okay, excellent. It'll give you a really good indicator of what we're building uh, in 2015 plus uh, what we're going to build in the next four years. Great. Let me ask a question. A simple, simple answer to your question is, you know, our goal in, in five years is to build out to, uh, you know, to the curb essentially, uh, to reach all of our members. You know, the basic premise of our build out is, uh, you know, for communications, utility communications purposes, so we can pursue all those uh, smart grid applications like distribution automation and all those other things, you know, potentially. But while we're at it, while we have that communications network in place, we have the opportunity to uh, provide voice and uh, data services. Mm-hmm. So number one priority, again, is to get out to our members. Now, having said that, we've had some unique opportunities to explore some overtures that are um, off our lines. We've had neighboring communities um, and townships reach out, uh, trying to get us to build a little bit further. So managing that expectation out there has been one of our biggest challenges. Okay. Um, wow, so there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple of questions that come up to mind here. Um, in last time we talked, there was a, um, we had a conversation about using wireless as well as wired because the reality should be, at least that was one of our taking, our takeaway points, was that you should, you as a community should use all of the options because when you get into certain places fiber makes the best sense in other places wireless makes sense and some hybrid of the two and so is that philosophy still golden with you guys? Uh, we're uh, focused solely on uh, fiber to the premise. Okay. Um, Okay. Um, if you look at that map, you'll see there's some white spaces in between the color-coded areas. Mm-hmm. Those are actually non-electric members, or non-electric customers of ours, residents. So those packets are the, in, the uh, investor-owned utility, typically. Mm-hmm. But clearly, they're still the, within reasonable reach, um, and we may investigate trying to reach some of them wirelessly just to avoid building fiber to them. We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to look at those on a case-by-case basis. Okay, I gotcha. Huh. All right. 
Um, let's see. What was the other question I had? Then, uh, so you're now. Are you going to? So you'll pass everybody, and then those that want to have fiber will then subscribe to the last yard or mile or whatever it is to to get actually connected up. Would that be the scenario? That's pretty much the scenario. I I would suspect over time that we would have a fiber drop to every one of our members mm-hmm. for purposes of uh, smart grid applications. Yes, that would sort of be like the the uh, the way Chattanooga has done it, where they they built out based on the the smart grid, and then once they've got that done, they said, well, now we can go to the actual doorstep because we've already done it via the the smart grid, and so. Um, was that was that a, a, a choice, a financial choice as well as a marketing choice? In other words, um, if I use Chattanooga again, their positioning was that we're getting the money to build the smart grid, and oh by the way, since we've already spent that money, we may as well get a- added benefits from the from the build out. Which tends to be an easier sell locally sometimes than saying we're going to build to everybody's you know internet to everybody's home. Was that some of that in there? Utility standpoint, knowing that we're going to have more more intellectual or intelligent equipment on our system going forward, knowing that we need to have the ability to communicate with all that equipment, we need a communication system. Right. So pick. So the technologies that we looked at were microwave versus fiber. And ultimately, our consultant uh, gave us a recommendation that from a longevity standpoint or life of plant standpoint, it made more sense to build fiber for that purpose than microwave. Now, at the same time, from a cooperative standpoint, we've been hearing from our members for the better part of 10 years now asking us to do something with respect to a high-speed communications uh, offering. Okay. So one one just kind of lends itself to the other. Okay. That's uh, so so in so then you're saying is that the 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 smart grid is more like an internal decision but what the co- public wants is the connect the connectivity the connect the um and 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 getting that that speed that that gigabit speed to the home absolutely um and it's driven more by their need for for data for other purposes not because we really don't have any defined programs uh with respect to smart home or smart applications for residential or commercial yet mhm i expect that they'll be coming well, that brings, I was going to say that brings up a qu- another question then, which is, um, I, I interviewed a small uh, a Sebring in um, in uh, Michigan, north of Detroit. Yep. Yeah, over in the thumb area. Right there, you go. And when they were talking about, um, they they built a uh, like a basic cable connection, and then evolved to. Uh, the gigabit about a year ago, and with them, they said, you know, really, 
we just the, the connectivity is the big deal, right? Not not so the specific thing like um, education or telemedicine or whatever. It was like our couple, our community needed to have a high speed connection, and that's like and people were very happy with that. In other words, they were they were content to make the in, to make the investment because the connectivity was the key thing. And what there are things, we'll, they'll figure out what to do with it later, but just the sheer sheer connectivity was the app, if you will. And that's what, and then, and, that, and everybody was okay with that. And is that sort of what you're saying with your constituency as well? Well, again, I, I think I think you can't put them, or I don't think they stand alone. Right. Very well. Uh, and I think that's what really precluded folks from making the, the level of investment that utilities are making today is because they really didn't look at it from here. Here's a whole new field that we can use this fiber for, and that is the electric utility space. Plus, sell uh, data packages and voice packages to those same people we're selling electricity to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, holding one uh, by itself or the other, I, I, I think misses the mark. That's the beauty of this project, is that we know that we're going to we'll have probably smart home or smarter home applications going forward. Um, you know, AMI, AMR uh, for us was in place in 2004. We're starting to work towards our second generation of metering. Um, so those kinds of offerings plus whatever else appliances you might want to explore controlling from an electric utility standpoint. So, I mean, I don't think there's any other more complementary kind of applications than you can imagine uh, than marrying these two together. Mm-hmm. I think from a member standpoint, Craig, they're clamoring for voice and data services. However, they're going to need smart grid services going forward. They might not realize that now, but it's going to increasingly become important going forward with uh, a lot of plants coming offline and people having to manage their uh, energy use better. Mm-hmm. And, and keeping Seabowing in mind, uh, we have a local community of Niles, which is substantially larger than Seabowing, um, even closer, way closer to what you would expect to be robust communication systems, um, they're probably within 15 minutes of South Bend, Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, hour and a half to Chicago-ish, and they asked us to serve their industrial park with fiber because the inadequacy of the service that's there today. Mm-hmm. And we've had folks going in there talking to the, the tenants in that industrial park and they can't wait for us to get stuff installed. So from a community standpoint, I can see it as a driver for economic development or and even just maintaining what you already have. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I mean, the, the threat was is that their tenants were thinking about leaving just because they don't have access to a, a meaningful high-speed connection. Mm-hmm. And they have one out there with, what was it? Ten bonded T1s. Wow, that's like super expensive. So they must love you coming to town. Let's. I'm, gonna, I'm sort of. I had. I have some other like just random questions. But um, 
I wanted to hit on the land, the, the competitive landscape. Um, Michigan is one of several, uh, what is it, 20 states that have some type of restriction on community uh, uh, municipal networks. And now, I just wrote a, wrote a, a, a report on, on the, those states, and Michigan is a little more sane there with their restriction, right? Because some of the places like um, North Carolina is just ridiculous in terms of how they totally screw up the, um, the, uh, the, the munis from getting involved. But Michigan was sort of a, you, you can work around their law. I'm curious to know if their law, if that law um, is a factor with why some communities would want to do a co-op versus a municipal built network. Well, I, we can speak to Niles. Um, that's the community I was just talking about. Okay. When we met, when we met with their city manager. And I think they're, they had some IT people there. Uh, yeah, they're utility providing people. Um, the message was clearly this. We, we want fiber for electric utility applications for ourselves. We have no intentions on providing data or voice or, or being an ISP for the community. They just they don't have a place for it. They have no interest in it. Yeah, I think what they did, uh, Craig, was a lot of these communities I'll use Sturgis as a, another example. Lay the fiber loop and never let it. They knew they needed to do something for utility uh, communications, but they never put any electronics in there, never let it. Uh, a lot of communities have stayed dark, and Niles is in that same position. They had a 48 and 72 strand fiber system laid out, and they never connected it to anything. So that's why they reached out to us. You know, you're close. You run that extra mile and uh, light up our system because, you know, we need it for utility uh, purposes and the industrial park needs it because uh, they've got some tenants out there that are looking to uh, locate to um, Indiana and other places. Hmm. So, so in essence, they were saying, yeah, we technically could build it. In some of the communities in your area, there are, they, they've got the, the foundation for potentially building it, but the but the interest just isn't there. I think that's true from an operating standpoint. Okay, that, that's not, I mean I think that that's um, there's not that's not good or bad. It's more it is what it is kind of thing. And yeah. but but what I'm seeing what I'm seeing one seeing is that in a case where there is a co-op in in place. Like Missouri has one that's pretty well known right now, and there are a number of communities within you know within the country have, that have co-ops such, such as you guys, and um, and if what I'm what I'm seeing then is that you guys are offering an alternative. This is you're giving them the high speed, but without having to make the buy decision of making it themselves, and that's a big plus for those communities. Is yeah, well, I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, what we've, I guess one of the things that they pointed out is, you know, we've been here, we've been in this community for 80 years. Um, 
we're not likely to be bought up or purchased by someone or run out of business. Um, and, and that's they find very attractive is someone that they can to be uh, depend on on a going forward basis. Mm-hmm. Now, how does the? Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, that's it. Oh, so um, how does this then uh, address the competitive landscape? Because um, typically, um, when cities are looking at the, doing this, you know, the question becomes: Do we have the capability to compete in, in a market that has big? ISPs, small ISPs, right? And you're the city trying to make a make its play. Does how? What's the land? What does the competitive landscape play look like for co-ops? Number one, do you have a, a big advantage over the bigger uh, ISPs? But you know, do you have like an inherent advantage that that, that they don't have, or or how do you see it yourself in that regards? Well, um, I would say this, through our service footprint, and, and once you get the map up, maybe you have a better appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, we're, in a, we're in an interesting market area. We, we have a very large community, uh, Kalamazoo, which is representative of, of our northeast kind of uh, service area. And then to the southwest, South Bend is within reasonable distance. There's not a lot of distance between those two very vibrant communities. Um, Population-wise, I'm guessing Kalamazoo's north of 100,000. Easy. Um, South Bend, are they a quarter? Yeah, yeah, very close metropolitan area. I mean, they're both very much metropolitan. We just kind of sit dynamically between them. Pfizer, Whirlpool. Yeah, you have Ben Harbor, St. Joe up. Uh, farther northwest, and you got Pfizer influence in Whirlpool, Whirlpool Kellogg, and, and then Notre Dame, Western well, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And you would think, because of, of where we're situated, that you would have more opportunities. When in fact, there's few. And the things that, again, if you go to the comments section of that website, you'll you'll see the comments that are being posted by members. Um, who talk about the fact that they just don't have access to anything. Wireless and satellite. So it's all, and it's all... Our advantage, Craig, if I could just... One of the advantages, I guess, that we're exploiting in particular is the fact that we're... We already have a lot of infrastructure in place, mm-hmm. poles and wires and rights of way that are established. So we have the perfect spot to hang a communication system right underneath our electric system. Mm-hmm. And we have the ability, based on the franchises and the easements that we already hold, to to provide communications for us as an electric utility. Mm-hmm. So okay, again, in the long run, uh, we do have Frontier here, who has bought up um, a lot of the wireline service that that the Verizon has that they purchased from the old G and T and E. We got some AT and T in certain uh, portions of our service territory. I guess the big provider, uh, big providers, uh, from a data standpoint, would be Comcast and a little bit of Charter, uh, or cable providers. Uh, but that's pretty much it. 
So And this basically, I mean, we've I've, we you have probably heard lots of people making the same observation, but basically, the large um, providers don't uh, want to come in and offer services, yet they will try to knock out the munis that want to uh, bring in the services that the, those big providers don't do. Um, now, well, Craig, isn't it, isn't it the easiest thing to do uh, when, you, when you're talking about competition to prevent others from coming in and competing? Yes. <laughs> if you can keep the other guys out, you really don't have to worry much about competition. Right, exactly. Now, does that put you guys in the position where you have to uh, spar with uh, the big with the, with the providers? Um, at a very high level, we sparred a bit with the Cable Association in Michigan when we asked for a CLEC license in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were so ill prepared, they filed out of time and. Uh, it was a bit embarrassing, I think, for them. <laughs> that's all right. That's, a, that's an evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that way. I get that way sometimes when we start talking about the the uh, incumbents. I get really, really agitated. So it's you know it's just um, so ridiculous. Hmm. We have filed for an ATC, um, which has not met with any resistance except from our own commission. Uh huh. Which I'm a bit surprised by. Um, I thought maybe folks would start showing up again at the wall, you know, pitching, lobbing over pineapples or whatever. All right, all right. Uh, um, I, I have to believe that sooner or later someone's going to start showing up and asking their customers, maybe cutting pricing or uh, trying to keep them in the fold, if you will. Mm-hmm. But so far, people can't get away from Comcast fast enough, as I'm sure you're aware. Right. You know, having the distinction of the worst company on the planet. Right. Uh, from customer service standpoint. I know how that goes. I know how that goes. Well, then the, so in that, so from that perspective, then we can look at you know your 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 um, financial situation is that you guys have. In an almost an enviable value uh, because you guys are the hometown team, as it were, and and and, and you're not going to be lacking for a, a customer base because everybody wants to be away from the providers they have currently. So if I'm looking like a, you know from an outside you know financial perspective, I say, well, God, the co-ops have a have a very strong play. Because um, they're they're in a tight they're in a they're in a good position. I mean they've they've got a lot of um, you know you got a lot of coming of out uh, strong when you come up with you know we're going to expand we're going to offer new services you know down the road. Um, I mean you you just have a strong hand to go to play with given the dynamics that you have. Yeah, in that in that market, would that be correct? Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty true um, throughout the country. Um, again, you know that 
the opportunity that we are exploiting is the fact that we've been here for 80 years. We're providing, I think, a, a very uh, rich service. Um, I, I just happened to be glancing at one of the comments on the website who started out saying that they were very upset with our tree trimming a year ago. And then he said, I was upset, but then quieted with the promise of a fiber connection to the house. <laughs> And there you go. And there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, we have a we have a great working relationship with our membership. I think I don't think that's something that's held independent by us. I think generally and across the country, electric co-ops have that a really good relationship with their membership. So, um, again, I, I think, but for the fact that we've been pursued by our members to provide some kind of data service. Um, it, it was less us looking for a new business involvement and more about um, listening to our members and, and, and responding to what they are asking us. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, another question I wanted to explore, which is um, in in the, the last book, um, I said that the, the, the co-ops are the the broadband business is a natural fit for co-ops and i still hold that um you know it's fairly easy for you to start adding um fiber services because you have the basic structure already in place in terms of your billing customer support uh, providing fixes, you know, whenever there's there's an outage and so forth, that your that your infrastructure, as it were, your business operating infrastructure, is conducive to the broadband business. Would that be considered a very le very le uh, legitimate statement? Yeah, I, I you know I might put some qualifiers in there, but um, we'll take those. We'll take them. Sure. It's obvious. It's a it's a it's a different skill set uh, that we have to get accustomed to and, and uh, be responsive to. Uh, the basic construction piece is very much like what we're accustomed to. Um, splicing, though, a, a piece of glass is significantly different and more time-consuming than putting a couple pieces of wire together. There there are no glass nuts, twist-ons that you can use. Um, if you could defend that, Craig, you could retire right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be my that would be my be my goal. <laughs> That's your goal. That's yeah, goal. you know, I was just like to find that be one, fine. that one thing that everybody's got to get. You know, that one widget. But you can understand the complexity of putting, you know, two very fine pieces of of glass together and making sure that the light's not disrupted going through it. Um, there, there's a steep learning curve, and, and, I, and I think our group's doing really well uh, along that path. So from, a, from, from an installation standpoint, putting it on our poles is not a big deal. Right. Uh, dealing with signing up customers is not a big deal. It's something, you're right, that we're very accustomed with and have systems in place to do it. Um, Technology piece is a little bit different. So 
So that's the qualifier. And the fact that we're, you know, we're looking at adding 30 to 35 employees over the course of the next two to three years. Hmm. Okay. Now, is that a different type of significant for an organization that's 100 employees? Right. Now, is that um, personnel uh, like very different type of person than you uh, you normally would be hiring? Like in in essence, are you creating uh, like a different kind of person which requires different, like almost a different kind of rehiring process? Because the people you want in going forward are going to be a little different than the people that you would hire currently. Well, you know they're 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 people. They got arms and legs. Well, they're still humans, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it gets back to that you know identifying skill sets that maybe we don't have uh, currently on our in our in our payroll. Right. Okay. Um, our call center folks are going to have to be a little bit more learned on on the technical side. Um, elect- I hate to say this, but electricity is pretty simple when you compare it, particularly when you compare it to this service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either on or it's off. There's not a much in between. Right. There's not a slow speed. There's not a fast speed. It's you know, we don't have to worry about somebody's computer not working correctly. Uh, they know when the le- electricity goes off, the lights are off. Right. They know, they know when it comes back on, the lights work. So our call centers are going to get calls from folks who are having problems with modems and you know, wireless connections and software and, and all those things that are kind of are married into this technology that we didn't have to care as much about on the electric side. Mm-hmm. Did it come on? Good. That's pretty much it. Interesting. Now, one of the things, this is maybe a little off the line, the, the, a little off the, the, in the path, but um, one of the things, again, when we had our conversation a year ago, you brought up the point that... Um, you offer a gig, but the average person may not need a gig, and so you have to kind of manage the well. One is the expect expectation, right? Because if you tell people they're gonna, you're going to have a gig, you have to be there, whether or not people want to, you know, you actually do order it or not. But also, there's a certain amount of um, I think it's, I think there's a certain amount of art form to understanding how to manage your speeds so that people get what they need but it's not like either you get a gig or you don't because there are people are in all ranges of need in terms of uh, speed. You want to speak well, to that I, a little bit? I, you know, it's funny. You, you watch this uh, out, in the, out in the space with Google and AT&T and some of the other providers, it's like this race to a gig. Um, I think someone even announced, I don't know, maybe it was Chattanooga or somebody, that they were going to two gig. Well, I, I've seen cases where people have provided gig service and nothing changes on the consumer end. So they may have been connected to something on the order of a 50 meg connection or a 100 meg connection. They transfer to the gig 
and they're still using the same amount of throughput as they were <laughs> prior to transfer. Um, will people need a gig? Maybe sometime in the future. I, I just don't see it happening in the next decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I think it's farther out than that. I'm not going to say it'll never happen, but I, I think it's this this idea, uh, this notion. I think it really got back to the Googles of the world who said, you know, they're the ones that kind of launched this notion of a gig. We're going to provide a gig. Well, most people don't even know what a meg is. So if gig's better, then I want that. Don't know how much I'm using, but if gig's better than meg, I want a gig. <laughs> Okay. I bought a Lamborghini. I'll go up 200 miles an hour. <laughs> and you're still be doing it like 55 miles yeah. when you go down the. I only drive in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's we, a. We're likely we're likely to announce uh, going to a gig sometime this year. Um, it, it's it's kind of you know keeping up with the Joneses. That's, you you asked about competition going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Comcast, which I understand they're exploring uh, the ability to provide gig across coax, if they come out and say, well, we can give you a gig, I guess we need to be prepared to say that we can do the same. Right. So it's more a case of um, gig envy than anything else, and for which I blame that on marketing people. Being one myself, I know how this thing goes. Oh, Frank, do you have gig envy? Well, no, 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 just my... <laughs> just... <laughs> I, think we'll, I think we'll have to move that part of the discussion a little bit over to the side there. Good Lord. <laughs> how, big, how big's your pipe? Well, let's not let's not get in my in the in the story behind my pipe here, Lord. Okay. Let's, let's, ease, let's, let's ease on. Let's ease on. Ease on down the road. Let's ease on. That's right. But but the fun but the fundamental thing is that um, we have a marketing issue more so than we have a technology issue, and sure. it's basically. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I like to poke fun at the people who went out and bought Apple watches these days. Oh, please. <laughs> you know, it's that same group of people that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even wear a watch anymore. You know, I just use my phone. As do most people, yeah. I need to wear a watch. Well, then all of a sudden, Apple Watch comes out. I was like, all right, well, i got to have one of those. I thought you didn't need a watch. Uh, it's, it's really silly. It's absolutely silly. But I think, but the, but but having said that, though, I think that where the value becomes apparent is when you have you know, like all uh, ten or uh, you know two hundred miles of your uh, market, you know you need to keep uh, all those people connected. You need to have the gig to have the throughput for all of the various customers more so than you need any vi- anyone needing that that gig. I mean, that's how I've viewed a lot of it, right? You need the capacity in order to have the, the capacity to have the throughput that individuals need collectively. You need more so than you need the actual gigabit like by any one individual or two individuals. I'll let Candy speak to an event that we did this last Christmas mm-hmm. um, where we 
we only had a few hundred customers uh, connected to that point, uh, but we decided to turn them all up. So I'll let Kenny give you both the background and then what happened at the point when we turned them up. Okay. The Christmas event. basically then brings brings home the point that um, we think we needed and the drivers of the marketing folks, uh, the, the campaigns and so forth, are creating this buzz, but in reality, people know what they need and it's not necessarily a gig. I mean, it just it is what it is. It is. I mean, I think that's kind of... The, I mean, you have to be careful. Well, in my position, you kind of have to be careful because, you know, the industry is, cre- is has created itself and said, we're now, you know, the new gig industry, and so you have to be supporting this idea. But I think that at some point, you know, rational souls kind of need to look at this and say, well, yeah, they'll they'll think about it, but in reality, they probably won't. And I think that from... A, from an operational standpoint, you know, you and other, you know, co-ops and co-ops that are thinking about getting into this business, you know, need to really understand need versus hype and build your systems accordingly. You know, it's like you basically will find, but if, if the average person is only going to take uh, 10 to 20 megs, and that's like the reality. That's not you know, and it's not may you know may not change significantly for the next year or so. Well, then you need to kind of build that with that in mind, versus you know breaking the bank trying to go get a literally a gig to every home. I mean, I may be taking it wrong, but can I? Um, I wouldn't do that, but as that became available to me, 
all of a sudden I have one, two, three devices in my home doing that, and my want or need or whatever you want to call it becomes greater. So you get used to what you have. So I think us coming into this um, territory with these kinds of packages are so much bigger than what they've ever had before. They don't even know what they can do. So that's an education piece that a marketing piece and opportunity that we have um, to let them know here are other things you can do with this. Mm -hmm. yeah, the other point is, this is Terry, it doesn't break the bank to offer gig because it, our, our equipment is all designed to go up to a gig. So it really is just turning the, turning the dial up. And since we have a gig available as our main backbone, it really doesn't cost us a lot to offer a gig service, even though it sounds like it, you know, we can charge more, it's, it doesn't cost us a huge amount more. We, we just have to be mindful of how much all of our customers are using. We kind of have a, a meter that we watch. So as our total throughput increases, we have to be prepared to reach out to our provider and make sure that we have enough capacity. Um, and I think we just dialed that up to a gig here recently. Right. And what we can do, since we know the Comcast and the Frontiers and the AT&T the world can't do it, and we can, it's a marketing tool more than anything else. It really is. That's, mm -hmm. And if we can do it and they can't, that distinguishes us from them. Right, okay. That makes sense. Dave, Dave always relates to a story I have to share with you. He, he, you know, he dates himself quite frequently. Talks <laughs> back about when he had his first Commodore. What were they called? Commodore 64. The Commodore 64, and they came out with a 286 machine. And he said, "Well, what would I need that for? Plenty fast. My Commodore's blazingly fast. I don't want a 286." My first uh, laptop computer was the size of my desk. Theoretically, <laughs> 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 yeah, if you put something underneath, you can wheel it around with you. But Amazing. That's, that was pretty cool in the day. And we all went through that, you know, went from the Commodores to the 286s to the 386s to the 486s, and it's like, you know, you never thought you needed the next best one, but until you have it, until you have it, <laughs> that's Candy's point, I think. Right. Right, that I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so so let's come back to this one issue, um, because every state, well, every state that has a restriction restriction in the legislature on these muni networks and stuff, are you guys um, are you guys fairly clear of those kinds of threats? Like, is it ever going to be someone will raise up and say, you know, well, the incumbents have tasked us as lobbyists to figure out how to make it untenable for uh, co-ops to do be to do be to do business. Will ever that kind of I don't know scenario ever play itself out? I I, I wouldn't put it past any other provider out there to try and you know play any card that they might have at their disposal to try and keep us from uh, continuing our build or or building in areas where they serve. That said, um, I, I don't feel uncomfortable with taking a position that, you know, what we've always told our board and our members is if somebody else would come and do exactly what we're doing, 
we're, we're happy with doing the electric business. If, for example, if they pressed us for an open network because uh, that's always the case or a potential case, if you get government funding, you know, you should you should build something that's accessible by others. Um, as long as they're willing to pay the rent on it, we really don't care how our members access the service. Does okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, and I, again, the way we've established this as a utility build first, and then selling basically to a, a division of ours the data and voice piece, um, we think we have great standing with respect to regulate, regulators and/or legislators that uh, we have every right to provide communication services to our electric utility customers um, by virtue of the fact that we are an electric utility. Right. So it very well could be that um, in the next couple of years that people will start to rely on more uh, of the co-ops because it's a way to get around the the restrictions that that do that do exist. Okay, because in some places now in, in a couple of the more um, restrictive states, you can't even be a co-op. As well, I mean, they actually those leg- those legislators have actually tried to and succeeded in putting a ban on co-ops. In most other states, it seems like um, that that's not going to happen. It's it's basically they may want to, uh, they might not restrict them, but there there's a basic sense of that the reality is you can't really do it. That you know, people would rise up and they would get really agitated. Um, the, the co-ops would have a certain amount of political pl- clout that no one wants to go. I don't think really wants to go against. And so I think that maybe they may look at the co-ops as you know, this is the way to go because it gives us a certain amount of insulation from the politics of broadband. Uh, what what are your thoughts about that? I I don't disagree with you. I, I don't know how that actually plays out across the country. Yeah, it could be all uh, kinds of crazy. I can tell you in Indiana that I'm aware that even though electric co-ops are building systems, um, those who weren't in the voice or data space before are are either leasing lit or dark fiber to local uh, rural telcos. And doing it in a either collaborative way or actually co-oping it together, um, because the electric co-ops in Indiana are regulated out of being able to provide any other service than than electricity. Hmm. That's just a state. That's just a state enabling act uh, that they, for whatever reason, have just chosen to live with and not not try to get changed. Right. Well, that's so they can they can install the fiber across their system. They just can't operate it other than for their electric purposes. But can some other entity come in and provide that service? Exactly. Uh, like I said, they could either lease dark or or lease lit fiber. Right. Okay. The data voice piece to the same same members, and that's what they're doing. Uh, I know a number of them are are working collaboratively with uh, the rural telcos that are in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Cool. We just don't have one. Right. Huh. Interesting. Well, we got about, about a couple of minutes here, and i got to roll. Um, but 
the last question, I guess, and I'm not sure who wants to ask this one, answer this one, but um, what do you see as the, I don't know, main driver? I mean, we talked about the fact that the, having the the through put is a winner. That's like you know, having the the speed is is you know worth the investment. But are there very, is there one or two specific things that people want to do with this that you might see being common across your your uh, your footprint? When you say people doing something with it, are you talking about our potential client base? Yes, your 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 customer base. Other words, like for example, there are in, there are there are cities or there are people kind of communities. We'll say, you know, education is the be the big thing for us. Um, in other places, it's like uh, telemedicine. You know, they 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 expect that telemedicine apps will become very dominant in the next year. I'm just wondering if there's a, you know, in two minutes. I know I'm asking a lot, but you know, just is there some sense of uh, one thing or two things might be a big driver? Within the communities, I think I think it's very evolutionary. I think, like Candy was pointing out before, is once you have the reliable pipe that's available to you and the throughput that's available to you, you kind of change how you see things. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple of uh, kind of things that we've noticed as we've built out the folks um, and let the others fill in. For example, um, some of our early adapters uh, had both parents working from home. Oh, wow. Uh, very rural setting. As a matter of fact, relied on the broadband map, my favorite thing to talk about, <laughs> to pick this particular location to purchase. Wanted to be in rural America, looked at the broadband map and said, let's, let's look here look, there's broadband available, it'll be perfect. So what did they discover is they bought the place. Uh, Comcast is down the road one way, there might be something else down the road the other way, and neither of them uh, of those options were, were really available to them. They were told no. So here they bought their dream location, their dream place, and were now contemplating putting it up for sale because just the mere fact that they couldn't get access to a true broadband connection. Wow. So that's one kind of story, and then I'll 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 add this, and up to the rest of them come in. Niles, for example, has this as their checklist for us. Number one was the industrial park. They have 20 or so tenants in there that are are considering leaving the industrial park because of the lack of a good broadband connection. From that, they want to make sure that their city utility is lit. So they want 100 meg connection so they can do kind of smart grid technologies for their electric and waste uh, wastewater and water systems. That's number two. Number three is the hospital. And then followed very closely by the library. That's their checklist. And another industrial park. And another, yeah, still industrial park. So that's kind of how they like that, like to see our approach coming into the town. And then after that, it's just all gravy for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a priority, those are kind of the list of priorities that they have. Okay. I'll let anybody else relate stories. Well, I think uh, one thing we've seen too, Craig, is our schools 
State. There's a, a group called the uh, Michigan Schools Education Network, MISEN, M-I-S-E-N. Uh, they're trying to connect all the intermediate school districts around the state together so that they can do um, online testing. Uh, so they have kind of a two-fold mission, connect all the intermediate school districts and then connect all the uh, schools or buildings that don't have a, a good connection right now to a state organization, but we're kind of leveraging their assets together with E-rate money to try and help that come about because you're starting to see a movement that's not only in Michigan, but but also uh, in Indiana that, you know, when kids have to do testing, they can do it online, number one, number two, and, and perhaps even more importantly, when you have snow days and kids can't make it into school, they can still be uh, productive from home. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of two big issues that are going on right now that, uh, you know, you are able to be productive in the off hours when you're away from school, either on the weekend, evenings, or uh, when you're at home because of, of the snow day. Okay. <coughs> Excellent. Um, well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this. I think we've got uh, lots lots of good stuff that, that we've talked about, um, and I really appreciate your time. And uh, I, I think that, uh, that you guys are doing a pretty good pretty good, pretty job pretty good job there as far as um, you know where you've come to, from and where you're heading to. So you know, keep up the good work, definitely. So enjoy enjoy the comment section on Team Fiber. I will definitely do that. I will definitely do that. I find those to be extremely enlightening. So I'll definitely spend some time there. Thank you all for for, for your time. I really really appreciate it. And um, you know, like I said again, much have continued success and and let's just get it done. Let's get it all done. Perfect. All righty, folks. Right. Take it easy. Take care. You too. All righty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bye.